Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders who influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labji. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. Today, let's talk about the tyranny of the urgent. And, and let's define tyranny, or can be defined as the unreasonable, unrestrained, or arbitrary use of power or control. In other words, for us, it, uh, it would be we would allow internal or external forces that are unreasonable, unrestrained, or arbitrary to exercise control over our lives. None of us ever do that, I'm sure. <laughs> what would that look like? Let's think about that for a moment. What kind of undue pressures do we put on ourselves? Professionally, I've been better at managing those types of things um, just because it comes with experience. But the one place I do allow those pressures is with my kids. Um, and they're both adults. So, you know, and I don't see them very often. So when they do reach out to me, I tend to drop everything. So, yeah. Tyranny of the urgent. <laughs> That's not necessarily bad, uh, uh, a bad thing to give your kids high priority. I was reading in uh, one of the articles just yesterday about one of the, one of the top 10 issues facing HR in the corporate world, top three, it was the number three issue, was this conundrum between being reachable and being connected as an employee. It's like you want to be in the loop, but then you find people always reaching out to you after hours, weekends, when you're trying to take a break. So conundrum, right? There's tyranny in that, that we succumb to it. Well, I think when you bring that up, Kevin, it's interesting because when you're in the corporate space in this connected world, I think there's a level of expectations that are like not said, understood, or written versus when you're independent, you put boundaries at the place and you tell clients, hey, like today, one of my clients, I'm going to be out of the office a good chunk of the day. I said, look, I said, you can reach me by email, but I'm not going to be my laptop. I said, otherwise, I'm available after 3.30 tonight. You know, mm -hmm. you kind of learn to balance it out. But like in the corporate world, it's starting to get more culturally driven that, you know what? You've got a company phone, company email hooked into the phone. You know, you're technically turned on 24-7-365. Absolutely. And you got to... You got to wonder if work from home has kind of propagated that a little bit too, because, you know, employees working from home by default, there's some flexibility in that. I think just because, you know, I know like my son, you know, he walks his daughter to school at uh, 830 in the morning and, you know, then he goes back to work. So there's, there's kind of seems to be flexibility built into the work from home uh, tyranny. <laughs> it's uh, thing, you know, as, as well. And so then that kind of leads to, well, you know, I, I give you flex to walk your kid to school. Uh, I'm going to call you at 630 at night because I need, I needed to talk to you today or whatever. So uh, I wonder how much of that is playing into this whole thing right now too. It's a great point, Steve. It's a whole new, uh, 
hybrid kind of a world. We're still navigating that, aren't we? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, in the beginning of the pandemic, I listened to a webinar. I can't remember who it was, but somebody famous. And they said they plan their day in 52 minute blocks. And then they take a 17 minute uh, break in between those 52 minute blocks. That's how they schedule it. And I can't remember why it was, but uh, it's, I've actually got that on a sticky note on the side of my computer monitor to be okay about like, you know, building capacity into like, that right so you know an hour instead of an hour meeting i've got a 52 minute meeting that gives you eight or nine minutes or whatever till the next one or something in between right so building capacity and allows you to do that a little bit better right yeah that's great steve uh you you actually uh sort of started the conversation on the next question <laughs> which you know let's let's kind of flesh out what this looks like what tyranny of the urgent looks like for all of us and then uh, to steve's point there you know what can we do to take more control back and not let it go unrestrained, right? And that's one of the ways. So it's a great example, just controlling your calendar. It's a huge problem um, for a lot of us. And in particular, I notice it with clients and all the latest neuroscience research is showing that it actually doesn't take very long to pull ourselves back to center, to being present. If we can, in particular, tap into our body in some way, there's some work with positive intelligence that talks about, for instance, take your non-dominant hand and rub your thumb against any finger of your non-dominant hand with such attention to detail that you can feel the fingertip ridges. Come on, play along at home. Pick up your non-dominant <laughs> hand, rub lightly enough and with such attention that you can feel the ridges. 10 seconds reset your brainwaves. And it brings you back to, to calm, to center. And you can do this. You can do it in front of people. You can do it with your hands under the desk if you're in person. Um, and, it, and it just helps pull us back from that urgent to uh, what's being able to focus on what's important. Yeah, Stuart, Fishy. It was a good tool, Shishi. Thanks. How many of you felt the urgency to respond and wish you had had that tool right there? You know, one of the, one of the things that the article was talking about too, is that there's a whole, the younger group, and I don't know what the age bracket would be, but this whole new era of leaders who don't remember the pre cell phone, pre, you know, high tech era. Like I remember it, I'm old enough to remember. It's like, there was times when it's like, you know what, if I'm away from the office, you can't reach me. There is nothing you can do about it. I can, I can do my work. I can do whatever I want and not feel that, that sense of control that somebody's got in there putting on me but to get back to them immediately. I don't really have a phone anymore. So uh, I, I still, I'm, I'm back in that, that world. Mm. What about email? I do have email, but if I'm out of the office, I can't, I can't access it unless there's Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Hey, Shannon, how does that? feel like how do people respond to that because i have a colleague who like very clearly on their email said i only check my email twice a day like i have she has very clear boundaries and i am just fascinated by like standing up in that space and being like yeah sorry can't reach me people get frustrated just ask hmm. lucky he yeah, is very frustrating because i'm very hard to get a hold of as Licky as she said, <laughs> <is hit> violently. <laughs> Shannon, what's it like for you? 
I find I have more control over my day. I have more control over what I'm doing. I'm not at other people's beck and call. So it's, I get more done because I'm, my priorities don't get messed up. Thank you for sharing that, Shannon. That's mm-hmm. very helpful. Yeah. I'm with Shannon on that. I, I think what I have been able to do with my clients is when I onboard them, I'm given, like we talk through what great looks like in terms of a relationship and accessibility. And because my clients know that I work with several clients and we're all working together, there's it's almost like a protocol. Like I, I do, I, it's not to say I don't respond almost 24 seven if I had to. It's just that it's, um, it's more of an understanding, I believe. Like I usually start with a trust agreement between my clients and we reference it when we, we hold each other accountable to that. And I just been, I would say in the last five or six years, just been blessed that more and more are open to this approach. Um, because before it's like, oh, Eileen, what are you doing? I, what, what is this kind of hoo-ha that you're putting me through? Um, but I think clarity is so important. And at the same time, it's uh, for me, if, if there was a dis, not a disagreement or a misalignment in expectation, it's really connecting with that client immediately and, and, you know, getting back to square one on where we we misaligned on that. And it's, uh, it's been great. Has it been smooth? Maybe not, but I think, you know, it's been clear. And so like Shannon, I don't respond on my phone. If I'm on work, I'm usually on the laptop. Of course, there has been urgencies. I know, Licky, I have reached out on urgent times for sure. Um, but those are, you know, far and between, like it's not uh, you know, we even define what urgent means, like what is urgent? What is this level of reach out that is needed? Because not only is there email, there's teams, there's texts, there's different modes that people can get a hold of anybody. And it used to drive me crazy to figure out which one I'm looking at at any given time. There's even people trying to go on Facebook to find me. And it was just the boundaries had to be set around. And I was the one perpetuating it because I'm responding. And so if you don't respond, you put those boundaries. It's so clear. And it's been a, a great two years of feeling this bliss, I would say. Yeah, I got to agree with that. I mean, I work, I work in a service business. I have a bigger team, mm-hmm. so I can actually shield myself. But if you think about the, all the technologies in place, like I'm, I'm out mm-hmm. of office on your Outlook, gives people an answer. Hey, I'm not available. So it's not like you just ignore them. Like, there's so many tools at all the different platforms that we use that we can just say, Hey, you know, I'm out of the office today. I'm not available. Don't expect a response. Like there's things like that. I personally don't give my clients my cell phone number. So they can't mm-hmm. phone me in the middle of the night because that's the default. Like if somebody sends an email to our team and then they're not getting me out to like the oh, next thing they want to be calling me. And it's like, you know what? We have a team. We have. You know, let's utilize it, it for those of you that have, have a, a, a team in place is set the boundaries. I think is the, the clear thing here, right? Like I get emails, Hey, Steve, like we want to do this with our companies. Like, well, here, I'll uh, forward this off to uh, my team. And it, by the way, in the future, that's the best way to handle this call. And you, over time, you just train them. I don't even, my phone is as, is permanently uh, set as do not disturb in my office. I don't get any phone calls without them getting screened. So there's things like that you can do if you have the, mm. the opportunity with a bigger team to just like, 
well, it's like people call them gatekeepers, but at the same time, there's a lot of automated things you can do to say, hey, I'm not available. And then people don't feel you're ignoring them. At least they, they understand that you, they have gotten a hold of you. And then you just got to do your best to get back to them. That's great. We have many technologies that can help us resist this tyranny of the urgent, if you will. But as Shannon pointed out, that frustrates a lot of people. What do we do about this? How, how do we create this balance? If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. Yeah, I was just saying, somebody earlier said, like, just setting the expectation from the get-go. Like, hey, if, mm-hmm. if you know, if, if you're going to, we're going to work together, like, I don't necessarily respond by emails and something, you know, you know, just setting the expectation. And Monday to Friday, I'm available nine to five. Don't call me after that. Put systems in place so those calls can get, you know, passed to someone else if there's true, truly urgency, things like that. But I think a lot of it's just the, the expectation and being willing to like say no. I have one mm-hmm. of my guys, he's my, one of my project managers. He's been, he's the longest serving employee with our company. He knows all the clients and they email him all the time. And then he'll, oh, I'll take care of that. I'll take like, wow, you got to quit doing that because they're not going to stop doing it. If you just keep uh-huh. saying, I'll take care of it to tell them, Hey, the best way for these type of issues is to do this, whatever the, this is, uh, I'll forward this one for you, but, uh, please next time, you know, uh, just go to our support number. Here it is, you know, or whatever. So there's not his role. Like they, they're used to going to him. 17 years ago when that was his role still, and it's not his role anymore. We have to, to educate people. Here's the expectation. Mm-hmm. Like if you phone Lyle for support, he's not going to help you. I think a lot of it too, is that we are scared that we're going to upset someone if we don't respond right away. A lot of times people text us or email us because they are thinking of it right this moment mm-hmm. and they're just throwing the thing into our court. We then go, oh my goodness, I got to respond to this right away. When really we don't. It's just there, it's in our cord and it's time for us to get back. The urgency that we place on requests that come at us is sometimes not real. It's our own perception. What I'm hearing here is a lot of tools of how to put the boundaries up in place, how to figure out the technology to say no, to put the uh, systems in place when you're onboarding. These are all great tools. However, when these tools are still in place and you still get that call, you still get that message, something inside of you says, I need to deal with this. And it's that self-reflection inside that says, ooh, I'm missing out on something. Or, oh, my limiting belief is saying that if I don't do this, I might lose my client. And if I don't do this, they may not like me. How do you manage those things? I think relationally, the trust agreement is the best thing I've heard today. You, you, you do need to prepare, but you can't do that. I think where you're going, Licky, is you can't do that if you don't have internal confidence. 
Yes. And, and you have to have internal confidence and, and understand who you are. And I think a lot of our reactions and our allowing people to create urgency in us or their urgency becomes our emergency is mm-hmm. coming insecurity. And so if we could do anything to help us, it starts with your relationship with yourself. So uh, build security within you, knowing that you're doing the best you can with what you have. Don't attempt at least or start to build that kind of confidence inside yourself that you know that you are genuinely caring. It's not that you're not caring because you don't react. But I think it's it really comes down to that insecurity. If we don't deal with insecurity, we're always going to be trying to please. And that pleasing people comes from insecurity. It comes from a low self-esteem and uh, a fear of rejection. And so we don't want to operate in fear. We want to operate in faith. So we want to be able to move forward. In the, in the, and it, it is relational. I think, in, in fact, I believe that we're doing a disservice by allowing people to guilt and shame us into reacting to them. We're not really providing our best or our excellence to them. I believe that by have, being secure in who we are and managing our their expectations and our expectations, we're able to actually have a more healthy relationship with our clients. Um, That's great. Thanks, Mark. That, that, that is, makes a lot of sense. And as you were saying that, what came up for me is all the tools we just mentioned, they all need to be in place so that you can have the space to create that self-reflection time. Because if you don't put those in place in the first place, you don't have that space to create it. Yeah, I agree. But I also, I think the first place to apply them is to yourself. Sure. But if you have a limiting belief that I'm going to miss out, I I need the money, I need the scarcity, I'm I'm not feeling good, you know, um, it's going to be hard to start looking at yourself. So it's a, it's a, it's a bold, it's it's an and relationship. However, when we put those messages out that I'm not available now and I'm, I'm only available this time, those are great. As long as we respond in a timely fashion so we don't upset the clients. Um, I remember, Steve, when I had my IT company, my biggest client was my brother. So just imagine that. No matter when, I was getting phone calls. And 7.30 in the morning, my email server is down. It got to the point where I started ignoring his calls because I had an incredible, incredible engineer that was allocated to his team. I ignored his calls. I forwarded a message to my engineer saying, he just called me, call him back. And it took about a week of training that way that the other person got trust from him and I was able to back off. Oh, when yeah. I did that, that back off actually allowed me to take a deep breath and say, what else do I need to do for myself at this point? Yeah, I think some of that behavior is definitely learned, right? I mean, we, we probably all have clients that everything's an emergency because they're very poor at planning and, and whatever. And after a while you ignore them and it's kind of like, the kid that called Wolf, right? Like when they really have an emergency, now they've actually done a disservice to themselves because, you know, everybody, if they're, everything they do is urgent, 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 well, everybody's going to ignore them. So there's, I think we learn who those people are in our lives. And, and uh, you know, I think we, uh, we know that, okay, you know. Hmm. I'll, I'll uh, take that one step further though. I don't think we, it, it's, I, I feel it's a relational violation to just ignore somebody. I think it's about redirecting. As like he said, you redirected them to the engineer. I yeah. think that it, and, and yeah. it, by vocalizing or communicating those, those boundaries, 
um, in order for me to best serve you, you know, we have to honor these boundaries. You know, I, I work with some people that have serious mental disorders and and challenges and, and, and in anxiety is like, not just anxiety, it's like a disorder level. And I still have been able to relationally get them to not call me at midnight or not reach out. We, we got to remember that this, this is, a, a, is a doorway, but doorways also close. And so I just, I, I tell people uh, that trust agreement, I love that term, by the way, that trust agreement, I tell people up front that my phone actually goes off, uh, goes to private. I don't get notifications on after hours. Mark, I like that uh, relationship violation concept and, and Shishi's point, the trust agreement. I think the two of those have to go hand in hand. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. if you and Steve or whoever said it earlier, you have to set the expectations with your clients, with your bosses, with your direct reports. You've got to set expectations so that you have the right for those violations, right? Because if you don't set expectations and, you know, can you exercise that and, you know, push that on somebody that you haven't communicated with, which by the way, is one of the core principles uh, that we teach in our leadership programs with blind spots is that we tend to like people to adapt to our style. So, yeah, that's a little bit of the golden rule, but I, I love uh, the platinum rule, Dr. Tony Alessandro's change, which is, you know, learning to adapt to other people's styles, doing to others as they would have you doing to them. So I think it was Steve who, you know, you get to know somebody's, how they like to communicate and then you begin to work with that. And that was, that's hard for me. I'm one of those people that I have an expectation. So I send you a text message. I'm looking for an immediate response. I have to check myself because I realize that is unrealistic. That's just, it's wrong for me to, to just put that on others. So I have to pay attention. Yeah. The only thing worse than having no boundaries is having a boundary that you don't follow. Okay. Uh, Mark, it's funny you said that. It's funny you said that. I was just typing a message saying, you can set expectations. This is great. But as long as you, as soon as you break that agreement, you can understand why you're breaking that agreement. What came up for you to break that agreement? Yeah, it's, agreements are great as long as you keep them. They will get broken though. And understanding why you keep on doing that habit is self-reflection time. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you know, conflict, actually is an opportunity to go deeper in a relationship. So mm-hmm. if, if the boundary creates conflict with the client or with whoever, that's it, not a bad thing. We all think conflict looks bad, but it's not. It's actually good because it gives us an opportunity to review our boundary, review our expectation, and then tell them why it's in place again, reinforce that this is not only for my good, it's for your good. And so... We, we want to revisit it. And so let the boundary do the conflict. You don't have to fight that, you know, Max Licato says conflict's inevitable, but combat's optional. So conflict does not have to be a battle. It can just simply be a review and say, hey, I just wanted to underline once again, this agreement, because it's important for our relationship. There's a... A lot of tools, a lot of tips that have been given so far on, especially the, the idea of boundaries and working with one another. What about those internal pressures? Uh, my buddy of mine told me years ago, he said, Kevin, you work for a tyrant and that tyrant is you. Man. Uh, I don't know if I'm the only one in this group, but I'll arbitrarily pick a deadline. 
Like I have to have this project done by this date. And that creates a lot of pressure for me. And I work well under pressure, but it still creates a lot of extra pressure as the deadline is looming. And then I realized in hindsight, it wasn't really necessary to have that done by Tuesday. I had plenty of time to take care of myself. What, are, what kind of pressures are we putting on ourselves? Well, I think sometimes we take on, you know, obviously we, we set unrealistic expectations. Back to what you said, you set unrealistic expectations. Sometimes just help it. You know, as a leader, sometimes you'd say, well, hey, I'll take that on and I'll get it done by Friday. And then, you know, the rest of the week happens. You're like, holy crap, you know, I committed to doing this. You want to lead well, right? Or, or say like, hey, when I demonstrate that, Hey, I, I'm the leader and I'm going to, I made a commitment and I'm going to show you guys that I can live up to my commitments. I feel that pressure sometimes yep. from, from the team, right? Where they, you say, you know, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to try and lead. And sometimes you don't do it very well. It's good, Steve. So I'm sorry, Steve, on that note, um, when you set your realistic expectations, and this is a lot of the industries do this, right? We have a month end coming up. We need to hit goals. Yeah. We have year end coming up. We need to hit goals. And then we set those goals up arbitrarily because apparently on the 31st of the month, we have to hit this. The pressures on the staff also get increased. And then we create that for ourselves. The auto, the auto industry is notorious for that. Month end, they just, you know, hound people to get sales happening. And if you ever want to buy a car, go on the 30th of the month. I don't don't go on the first. The sales people don't go on the first. I heard that years ago, and I've done it ever since. I've never yeah. bought a car other than on the last day of the month. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Right. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. Has anybody ever had this thought in the craziness of your day or your week or your month that as soon as I get all of this done, I'll have a breather. I'll, things will get better. But that, did that day ever actually arrive? When I worked in the travel industry, when we knew we hit year-end goal about mid-October, then I called my colleague, I said, come over to my office. I said, I want to show you something. I put my feet up on the desk and I said, if I had a cigar, I'd smoke it right now. We, I said, we can breathe. I said, everything else now for the rest of the year is gravy. Nice, nice. Oh, for me, uh, when in, when it is those times of, um, pause or, wow, that project ended quicker than I thought. I, you know, more efficient than, more efficiently than planned. And then you do have that break. Um, you know, the guilt and shame. Oh, no, there's a, you know, there's a free time. What am I going to do with it? It's living in the valley was always difficult for me. The climb to the top is always more adventurous and exciting. And so that rest period was something that I wasn't accustomed to. So mm. I would fill it up with, oh, who am I going to get in contact with? Who, how am I going to get the next project? And it was reaching out in this pressure to connect and 
pressures of a project was for me more natural and exciting, but getting the next job was very overwhelming sometimes. And as independent consultants, you're always reaching and looking and seeing. And so over the years, I've, you know, I guess even especially with the pandemic, it was more of reflecting on, you know, attracting and, you know, developing with ease and, and connection. And it became a more enjoyable process uh, for me. And, but yeah, I, you know, I never get to that point where I'm doing nothing, um, but more so enjoying those moments rather than the feeling that pressure of it. Very good, Eileen. So what's coming up for all of, or all of you, even all of us, actually, the internal reflection that's happening right now, the reasons why we're saying yes, the reasons why we just show up, why we can't say no to people, why we, why we actually jump. When an email comes in and says, oh, I better do this now, just in case. How are you going to manage some of those things? I'm in sales and I want to be available to my clients every time they need me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it also depends on your, on your position. I mean, if you're in sales, that's a harder position to not be available and not respond because you're dealing with the public one-on-one and they have expectations of being responded to right away. Actually, my client base wasn't used to being so well cared for, let's say. And there was like going through this conversation has been interesting because it made me realize I have one client. It is my largest client and they are the most demanding. And I have really switched things with them since I took over this account. They used to phone and demand at the minute and next day delivery and all of these crazy things. And through this last eight months, I have really toned them down basically by taking a, that sounds like it's more of a you problem than it is a me problem. You know, they didn't get the artwork in or whatever is going on. And it's like, well, Because you just got us the artwork today, no, we will not be able to do it. And I would put it back on them. And now they're they're pretty well trained. So listening to this conversation up to now has made me a little bit pat myself on the back for how well I've I've managed this formally ridiculously difficult account that just expected the world to stop on its hinges over them. And I won't let them. The lucky's point no. on the yes versus the no, right? But hundred percent. I think. I think for me, where where this kind of lands today is like I'm in a really good position from the perspective of I offloaded all my daily tasks onto my team, and uh, I've got a lot of freedom in my schedule to do whatever it was. So that's good for me, but it may not be good for them because I'm just dumping everything that comes my way. Onto them. So I've just got to, I think for me, it's like, I got to be really cognizant of what I'm asking others to do because I'm, you know, I'm the top of the pyramid in my company. I'm the owner, the CEO. And, uh, you know, I just got to now be more cognizant of when I go to my, uh, my number two and my number three and my number four saying like, Hey, we got to, we got to take care of this and please make it happen. Like realize 
you know, I'm just piling stuff on them. So I think that's where it lands for me today is, you know, for myself, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good, but now it's okay. How do I help them by not me, not being the one that's putting like these unrealistic demands on them all the time. Now, Steve, thank you for, for being vulnerable and sharing that. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and even for Sue, you know, as you were saying that, my role is sales and marketing ever since I've had my own companies, right? As an owner, you're always sales and marketing. And we can keep on saying yes, and we can keep on being available. As long as we're keeping keep on saying yes to ourselves and being available to ourselves first. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the key is. I think somebody said earlier that if we're not taking care of ourselves, how can we take care of others? As a sales rep, uh, being available to our clients is important. That's the relationship we're building. Yes, and taking care of ourselves is even more important so we can be available for them. Just think about what you can put in place for those things. Really good looking. You know, Steve, I wanted to comment on on your comment because you hit something that's huge, which happens in the workplace constantly. Which is, I think somebody put it in the chat too, a way to sum what I'm about to say up. I think it was Shisha. You said lack of planning on your part doesn't equate to an emergency on mine, right? The tyranny, the urgency. Sometimes it's not realizing as an owner, as a boss, that your urgency isn't necessarily their urgency, right? Or the other way around. It's like the feeling of just because somebody asked me to, for a response or for, you know, uh, to get a project done doesn't mean that your urgency is my urgency. Let's, let's figure out where that balance is, right? Uh, somebody said in our leadership cohort recently on this subject um, that they learned to speak back and ask this question. Now, is this actually needed today or can you give me a couple of days? Mm-hmm. Clarify if it's truly an emergency, right? Like we had, uh, we had a client recently that and this probably happens throughout organizations all over the world uh, as an example, but they have this conflict with emergency versus urgency interdepartmentally, right? The two departments are not getting along and they're not realizing until mm-hmm. somebody brings it to their light, you know, to their attention, like Bureau just said, they're not realizing that, hey, your department's falling short of this doesn't make that an urgency suddenly in our department. We need to communicate and work together and figure out how to make this uh, work smoothly. If you go back to where can we step up for ourselves? You know, as you, as we go into the season of some downtime, self-reflect, self-reflect on yourselves and say, you know, what am I saying yes to and why? Mm -hmm. What's in the way? How can I create these boundaries during the holiday season? How can they create boundaries for family? How do I take care of myself and be present? What am I saying yes to? Which events am I keep on saying yes to and I don't want to be there? Why are you showing up? That good old uh, FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Yes, let's go to all these Christmas parties. And then what are you doing to yourself? In, in that, Licky, I'm thinking about our, our blind spots profile. <laughs> you know, where we fall on that, on that dial, on that wheel and, and um, just almost like a, a personal check bar, you know, to go back through that and go, what am I not seeing here? Um, what am I forgetting about that I need to be aware of as, as we head into these crazy weeks, like you mentioned, month end, year end, quarter end, all of that. 
Am I fooling myself? Am I, you know, stuck in an old pattern of what doesn't serve me and doesn't what doesn't work for me? Good. Yeah. Like I wonder, and step out on a limb here. We have a tool that we use in our leadership development programs to help identify how we can create self-care plans. I wonder if that, uh, that would that be of interest to anybody here uh, to have that uh, PDF? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Love self-care. You okay with that, Liggy? <laughs> I, yeah, for sure. Uh, with self-care plan, we worked with our client uh, beginning of this year and uh, the, the VP who actually got us engaged bought into this plan and she started working on it and holding everybody else accountable to make sure that they had a self-care plan. And that really spread and people actually bought into it and they were actually having fun with it. Small things like, you know, we're going to have a meeting and let's just go for lunch and have a walking meeting. Or let's walk over to the Starbucks and just talk. Let's go for a run. Um, she actually started booking every Friday afternoons at two o'clock for a manicure. And that was her oh. way of saying, I can't be on my phone when I'm not on manicure. I can't be talking to anybody else. I'm shutting down. Mm-hmm. And that's great. These are great little tools to put in. But that's, that's the other thing, right? Having, having accountability partners on some of these mm-hmm. things really, really helps. And they, they hold, you, hold you accountable. They make sure that things are happening for you and they care for you as well. So you'll just, it'll be a, it'll be a great opportunity to build the relationship in a different way. You know, speaking of which, Licky, um, we would love, after the holidays, we would love to hear some examples of what you all decided with regard to what you're going to implement for your self-care plan for 2023. One, one thing, 10 things, whatever you want to share. We would, we'd love to hear. So there's a little bit of accountability right there. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global, a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so now so you will never miss an episode. If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. We hope to see you there.